Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find over four speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, links for you to subscribe to the podcast, and a place where you can donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Liza. feel tall up here. Thank you. Hi, I'm Liza, compulsive overeater and bulimic. It's good to be with you guys tonight. I always feel like I'm coming home when I come to these meetings. Um, It's been a year and nine months of abstinence for me after 23 years of bulimia. Um, These rooms helped me realize that I was completely disconnected from my higher power through the abuse that I was giving my body. Um, I have a kind of a bizarro background. I guess we all kind of can say that. Um, I grew up in a commune that was focused on body cleansing and um, body, mind, and spirit cleansing. And through physical purification, as well as gestalt therapy and um, other therapies, physical therapies, and spiritual connection through meditation, one was about, or one was believed to be able to actually ascend into the higher regions while you were, <laughs> while, while you were alive. And um, my mother married the guy that started this uh, commune which I later recognized was actually a cult. And it took me many years to figure that out, but I knew I wasn't in the right place. That was for sure. I knew that at, like, age seven. So when I was five, she married him, and um, they started a health clinic. And so it was quite normal to see people um, fasting and throwing up and... Uh, going through painful body work sessions and um, screaming at their mother who wasn't there in a a chair that was empty. (laughs) And um, I just remember wanting to be in a Brady Bunch family. (laughs) And I just thought, how the heck did I end up here? And my father was not a part of this at all. He lived a normal life, and I just wanted to be normal I just wanted to be normal and I was going to public school and people just thought wow you know you're you live in that place we all know about that place it's really strange and when I was about eight or nine we moved to a a very remote lodge in the middle of a forest and when you actually went out into the forest you could hear people screaming (laughs) through these therapies And so I planned, I started planning my escape when I was about that age. And um, when I was 13, they made us decide whether, I was the eldest of 50 children in a 150 adult commune. So at 13, they wanted to make um, an example of me, basically, and, and asked me to decide whether I would be a lifetime member of the, of the commune cult. And um, 
So I decided that I would say yes because that was the safest thing to do. And when I was 14, I had to actually make the long-term commitment and get a ring, and that basically signified that I was I was never going to leave. And um, at 16, I was uh, determined to um, basically I had had a, a secret boyfriend, and they decided that because I'd had the secret boyfriend, which was not in a you know kind of um, in accordance with the teachings of the of the place, um, I had to get married. So um, was married off at 16. Um, and then spent two and a half years um, overseas with my stepfather and his entourage and this new husband who was 12 years my senior. And um, finally, uh, when at two and a half years later, we came back from the South Pacific and we're sitting in our um, double-wide trailer bedroom with, you know, five other couples in this in this commune style uh, you know <laughs> trailer and he started expressing his interest to um, he ba- basically admitted some weakness about whether it was a good place for us to be living and um, I talked him through the entire night to get out of there and um, by the morning I called his mother who was living in Century City and I said we're, we're leaving um, and she said, what do you need? And I said, we need a car. We need a, we need a key left on the tire so we can get out of here. And um, so we just had to get through one day. And uh, somebody, I told one person and they told another person. They found out that we were trying to leave. And it became um, a really dramatic exit, to say the least. And... Um, when I, I, I forgot to say that I hadn't had contact with my father for 10 years because they had actually decided that I shouldn't see him. Um, and my stepfather adopted me um, during that time period. He made us write letters to my father saying that we didn't want to, uh, to be his children anymore. And, that, um, and my mother said that, she, you know, she wouldn't... Um, let him see us anymore. So basically, uh, when I escaped, I called him immediately, and I said, "Dad, you know, do you remember all those hang-up calls that you received during, you know, for the last ten years? Those have been me the whole time. I just wanted to make sure I still had your number so that I could call you." And I got out. And um, the reason I bring all of this kind of history to it is that. This crescendo of finally getting out was just so important to me. It was um, it helped me realize that um, food was not an instrument to abuse one's body with in terms of um, all of this clen- cleansing methodology, and that um, it, there was there was pleasure in food. So chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> chapter two, I um, went to see my father for the first time, and it turns out that my dad is a total gourmand, and I hadn't spent much time with him. And they, you know, they grow food and they cook food and they, you know, 
light candles at night and uh, food is a ritual and food is for entertainment and food is uh, living life to the fullest. And I thought, wow, this is a totally different way of thinking about life and I haven't been living to the fullest. So let's get on with this. Let's try everything, you know. And um, at that point, I um, also had gotten a regular job and um, walking through malls uh, just to shop, people would stop and just stare at me. And I was like 19, 20 years old. And I didn't understand why they were doing this. I didn't really even notice, but my husband from the commune saw that people were doing this. And he said, you know, you really should model. And I thought, well... I, you know, I had grown up in a place where you wear long dresses and flowers in your hair and no makeup and never wear black and fashion was the last thing on any of our minds and um, and so his mother actually took me and spent a thousand dollars on me at um, at Westside Pavilion when I escaped <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on clothes. And so I was kind of having fun with this, and I'm kind of learning about, you know, the possibilities of doing this. And I went to, like, a John Robert Powers modeling school, and uh, I was thin. You know, I was, it was not hard, at, as many of you remember, at 21 or 19 or 20 to, to be thin. And um, so there was an abnormal eating behavior going on, but I was realizing that I really wanted to enjoy my life more. And... Um, that I needed to travel. And I, so I decided to um, accept a, an agency in Los Angeles that then decided to send me to Tokyo. And then one thing led to another. I ended up in France. Um, and for me, it was about finding what I believed in at this point because um, God knows I had really been screwed with in my head and I didn't... Uh, I wasn't really sure... What was true? Was it the, you know, was the guru in India that we followed in the commune a real guru? Was vegetarianism so important? Was not killing animals going to help me ascend to higher regions in this lifetime? You know, all those questions. And meanwhile, I'm going on ghosties to try to get modeling gigs. And um, so um, I ended up going to India, and I sat in front of the guru for a month in the middle dead of winter. It was freezing. And um, I came back and I decided, yes, I did want to be vegetarian. Um, and, uh, but something had happened in India. I gained uh, 12 pounds in India eating wonderful food. And I could no longer work. So I had to go on some kind of a diet. And so I went to uh, a diet doctor who put me on some homeopathic medicine, which was kind of unusual. And nothing was quite working, and I was working out every day. I was running. Even in India, I was running every day. And, um, and I was working in Germany. And so, and in Germany, as a vegetarian, what do you eat? Cheese, bread, pasta, <laughs> but some vegetables, obviously, and fruits. But I just was gaining weight, and, um, and I couldn't work, so I started throwing up. And I thought, well, you know, this is what the Romans did. You know, I need, and I, and I also need to enjoy my food because I've got to live well. 
And at that time, I had fallen in love with a Frenchman who spoke seven languages and traveled the globe constantly and loved food. And we were going out every night to the top restaurants in Paris. So you can imagine, you know, the um, temptation that was going on. And I started to just binge because I was so worried about losing weight that I was eating more and more. And I would go and, you know, open the cupboards and just eat entire um, packages of cookies. and um, Or I would binge on pasta, you know, or um, I would buy, I would eat through the kitchen and then buy a lot of food that day to replace it. All the stories that I think we've all kind of experienced in OA. And um, and so um, I kept it a secret. It was my secret for 23 years. There's no one that knew that I was bulimic, which I don't know how I kept that to myself, but uh, I did. And... Um, I just remember looking in the mirror after I would throw up and just looking at these bloodshot eyes and almost tears running down my face and feeling so completely alone. I think that's probably the feeling that came up the most and embarrassed and disgusting. And, um, and yet I couldn't stop. And I wanted what I wanted. I wanted my cake and I wanted to eat it too and I didn't want to give up the luxurious indulgences that I was getting comfortable with Um, and that furthermore I thought were really life. You know, this is what people who live life fully do. They enjoy their food. They eat a lot. They really enjoy. And so... um, so ultimately, um, I continued to do this, and uh, it went on until ultimately I came back to the U.S., gosh, in um, 1991, uh, and uh, started a regular job in school and tried to get an education because they took me out of school when I was in eighth grade. And uh, I took the California high school proficiency exam back then so that I didn't have to go to uh, high school. And no one believed in college, and I decided I'm going to college. I am leaving France, and I'm going to go back, and I'm going to get a regular job, and I'm going to work my way through school. And it took me six years um, to get an education. And um, it was... um, I never once thought that my bulimia was a problem. Like, even though I was looking in the mirror and seeing this every time I would throw up, which was probably, like, it wasn't every day, but it was always triggered by something that was going on emotionally for me. Um, And it was numbing to be able to binge. It was fun. Um, And so um, I ended up... um, getting into Santa Monica City College, worked my way through school, get transferred to a UC, got a degree, graduated summa cum laude from college, which was a miracle because I didn't even have algebra when I started, and um, and ended up um, meeting my husband who was in a 12-step program. 
and met him actually in a chat room on AOL, of all places, <laughs> back in 1996. So you remember that was one of the only places you could get email back then. There were no photos online. Um, we had a whole conversation about how I needed to send him snail mail my photo. He would scan it, and then he would send it back to me so that he even knew what I looked like, vice versa. And um, and we uh, we ended up marrying five years later. And my weight was still kind of starting to creep. It was really creeping up, right? And um, I think when I was... Um, modeling, I was at 128, and I'm tall and 5'10 and a half for those of you on the podcast. Um, and I got up, well, when I was pregnant, I got up, I tipped the scales over 200, which was very amazing at one point. Um, but um, I buried probably 50 pounds. And um, so I ended up. Um, talking to him about it and obviously you know he was noticing my struggles with food and I he didn't he had no clue that I was bulimic but one day he said you know you should really try Overeaters Anonymous and I said well I don't overeat that much I mean why would you you know suggest this he's like well just look online here it is here's a meeting and it's two blocks from our house (laughs) in two days and I said, oh, I don't want to go. But I figured I, you know, I was in for it now and I should go ch- check this out. So I walked into a meeting that was um, uh, that was at the bottom of a church in a really kind of old, decrepit room, an inspiring kind of atmosphere, six people. Um, and I sat down and I listened to the readings. And then I listened to people share, and I just started bawling. And I was like, oh, my God, I have been hurting myself. I have been harming myself, and I'm not respecting the body that was given to me by God. And um, and I realized right then that I needed, to, I needed to fully engage in this program. And I asked the woman next to me to sponsor me, like that night. And um, within a week, I got abstinent. Um, And a lot of people are like, what? That's just not right. Oh, you should, you know, struggle more. And I I don't know, like I almost feel guilty saying that. Um, But it's not that it hasn't been a struggle. It has been a huge struggle for me. Um, there have been times when I've called a fellow and just said, you know, I completely overeat. I feel sick. All I want to do is throw up. And they're like, go take a shower. Go take a walk. Go try something else. You know, read, meditate, journal. The tools that we have are amazing for um, helping us get reconnected. And... Um, I started being of service as soon as I could, um, and I started with the steps. I'm now on step 12, and um, I just feel that, you know, when I come to a meeting, which it's a big deal for me to join a group, you can imagine. Um, <laughs> the last thing I really ever wanted to do, <laughs> and uh, this is not, this is not, you know, your 
average group. I mean, and it's it's actually it's so um, so crazy to think that I'm speaking and there's probably a lot of people listening to this. But at any rate, I'm looking at the microphones, having a little moment. But um, this group is completely, you know, everyone's volunteering, the leadership is changing all the time, it's everything that a cult is not, and um, I feel completely at home here, I feel like I can be authentic, it's one of the only places in Los Angeles, in my opinion, where people are authentic (laughs) all the time, and I love, I just love this fellowship. and that's the only way I know how to be because that's how I grew up. I grew up, you talked about your feelings, you talked about, you know, um, what was bothering you, and then you basically sh- tried to shield yourself from all of the hell that was going to come as a result of saying those things. But, um, so, um, they said, don't look back, but I'm doing it. <laughs> um, so, I... I think probably the the most impactful thing from my youth that helped me today is that we used to meditate two and a half hours a day. I started meditating when I was 12, and um, I got really into it. And you know, you're contemplating a guru, and you're listening, you're uh, repeating five holy names over and over again, and you're thinking that someday you're going to actually go to heaven while you're sitting there, that you're going to actually have these experiences. And I'm not sure that that happens for people. But in my, um, in my experience, I was never fully connected with God until I got into this program. And that really means a lot to me. Um, in 20 minutes of saying the third step prayer, the serenity prayer, and... Um, I pray, what I do is I pray for all those who suffer. I pray for those people that I know are in suffering today. There are plenty. Because we're all going through something. Everybody has something. And then I ask for guidance. And since I started doing the steps, that guidance has started flowing. It is absolutely a miracle what can happen when you work these steps. And um, in terms of the weight, because I know you know people are weight-focused as part of this program, um, I, at one point I said, it doesn't matter what my weight is. I'm just going to work these steps and see what happens. And there was a day that came where I said, okay, I'm ready to shed the weight. I'm ready to, as some people say, um, what do they say? They say let go of the weight or uh, release it. I love that. Ready to release the weight. And so I said that, and the next morning on Facebook, somebody sent me a little invite to join a workout program that was at 6 a.m., four mornings a week, and it was free, and all I had to do was do a testimonial at the end for television, national television. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I'll do it. So I signed up, and um, I lost 10 pounds. And that was great um, because I'm not an exerciser, really. I, it's always been uh, a challenge to get me to exercise. And that weight has stayed off. Um, and I feel like along the way, um, so many so many different things have happened that have 
fulfilled the promises that we hear about so often in this program every time we're here. Um, and um, I feel at peace. I feel like I have people that I can touch base with and when I'm feeling upset as opposed to just going and eating. And that doesn't mean that I don't overeat. I definitely do. But I'm not sitting there planning my next binge, which I used to do. Um, so my abstinence is no binging, no purging. Um, and I just feel so grateful for everything that we were given in this program. And um, I thank you so much for letting me share. Any questions? So the question is, what steps did you work and how did that help transform me? Um, so the first step is being powerless over food. And at that point, that was, um, it was interesting because I couldn't really admit right away that my life had become unmanageable because I'm a very organized person with a lot of controls over what's going on in my life, I thought. And, um, and very successful professionally, and there were a lot of things that helped me where I felt like I just wasn't, um, life was not unmanageable. But um, I got over that. I, I think reading the step, um, the 12 and 12, and journaling, it really helped me a lot. Journaling to the questions that my sponsor gave me. Um, and that I love that these are up here, that I realized that God could restore me to sanity. And that was an easy one for me because I already felt like I had this connection with God that, that um, I knew that God was with me the whole time. And I felt that when I was walking the streets of Paris and having to, you know, um, search internally for what I believed in. And then um, I found that the hardest one was step four, really making that inventory, and I put it off and put it off and put it off, and uh, finally someone who spoke said, you just need to do this. You need to spend a couple hours tomorrow and just sit down and do this, and you need to call me when you're done. And I wrote everything out, and I realized my part in some pretty horrible things that had happened to me that I was really upset at other people for. And that um, my life's work now is around speaking truth to power. And that that was something that I didn't do enough in my youth. And there were a lot of kind of like realizing what's important um, today through the, doing the step four work. And then I call it the slide. So I know from four through seven... I felt like it was a lot easier after four. So five, six, seven went pretty smoothly. And so if anybody's stuck on four, I really recommend getting it over with and doing it because the rest, it gets a little bit easier. Um, and then the amends piece was um, difficult. Thank you. The amends piece was um, I had to make amends to... Um, a number of people that I felt um, had harmed me. And um, some of them didn't reply. You know, I sent them letters. Some of them didn't reply. But um, I also was able to make amends to my stepdaughter for an incident that had happened when I had had a breakdown and just a number of really um, intense emotional pieces. 
that I needed to work on. Um, and so the rest of, so eight um, is, was important and difficult and it's ongoing. I mean, I think that we're never fully done with that. So um, the prayer and meditation piece, I think, has been probably, I've been the most consistent with. I get up every morning and do that pretty much and get up at 6.30 or whatever time gives me a half an hour. Um, and then um, I do feel, as I said, more connected as a result than I've ever been. I hear, I, I sometimes write down two pages of notes of things that I get as guidance in my meditation practice for my week, and I'll just ask, what do I need to know or do this week? How can I live my purpose? How can I be of service? And then all this stuff will come. So I don't know how people don't, don't have that experience or don't, um, don't give themselves the opportunity to listen because otherwise I don't think I'd, it would be guiding me the way that it is. That's what I meant to say. Thank you for asking. So the question is, around the tension of wanting to drop the weight and um, not uh, say again, letting go letting go of the results yeah and I've sponsored a number of people and the amount of control that happens at the beginning of the program I find you know they want to I'm going to stop doing this I'm going to start doing that I'm going to stop this I'm going to restrict that and I'm just my advice is for the people that I've worked with, and this isn't true for everyone, but I I feel that once you get into the steps and you get into like four or five, um, that the the grace starts to flow, and that magic happens, and that um, that the weight then becomes something that is released, as they say, as opposed to the focus being just on how am I going to lose this weight? How am I going to lose this weight? Um, really connecting with higher power and in whatever way I love the um, the advice somebody gave in a meeting recently to write a letter to, to your perfect higher power in terms of you know write a want ad that's what it was write a want ad for your perfect higher power what would they be for you and then start to regard um, this uh, this higher power as someone that's going to walk with you through that um, and I my experience is that it has worked that the weight that tension has um, has not it's not overtaking me anymore it used to be a, a real focus for me and it's not at this point does that help so a typical day of food and how many meetings do I go to I go to um, usually two meetings a week for me, that's when I have uh, a daughter at home who's, it's hard for me to get out a lot. Um, my husband works at night, so I tend to go to two meetings, and a typical day of food is I tend to eat pretty healthy. I've always eaten pretty healthy, but I haven't, um, I don't actually restrict my portions, but I just try to eat reasonably. So I find that if I tell myself, okay, you can only eat this many times per day, and um, that restriction for me as a bulimic is really dangerous, um, that I just need to um, be aware of what's happening with me emotionally and call a fellow in the event that I'm, you know, really um, 
having a hard time with food, but I don't, I don't weigh and measure my food. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't even say how many meals I can have in a day. Um, but it's become normal now, or what normal eaters would say is normal, whatever that is. <laughs> I'm not eating like I used to anymore. Thank goodness. Uh, how have I developed the fellowship that I have now when I came in? Um, I always talk to people after meetings. Um, I've developed dear friends in this program the last year and a half um, by just getting to know people and understanding their their challenges and helping, reaching out, giving help where I can, being a service. And um, the most interesting people are in this program. I absolutely love getting to know everyone because, um, you know, you guys are fascinating. And you're real, and you're willing to be authentic, and that's that's my bottom line. So I would just say, for me, it was talking to people um, and taking numbers and reaching out and being willing to give, you know, give your information and talk to people and let them know it's okay if they call. Yeah, so my what was my abstinence? Um, it was not binging and not purging. And I would binge. I mean, I actually read an, an article. You know, these magazines are supposed to be helpful, and they really aren't. They actually, I read in an article that you could eat Doritos, which was one of my favorite foods, at a, at the beginning of a binge, and then you would know when you got to the bottom of for purging. I mean, it's crazy stuff, crazy making, and. Um, so, yeah, so I um, I don't do that kind of crazy stuff anymore. That's done. Um, so mine is no binging, no purging, and it always has been. So I never restricted because I found that that caused me to binge because I deserve to eat. I deserve to enjoy my life. Nobody's going to tell me what I can't do, especially after growing up in that crazy place. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, so kind of the structure of sponsorship from my perspective. Um, I um, have at any one point usually like four sponsees, and um, I really ask them what works for them and make myself available. Um, I don't tell them they have to check in at a certain time of day every day or anything like that. Um, we develop a program that, um, co- you know, that works for them. It's not something that I say the same thing to every person. I feel like everyone has a different situation. Some people are, you know, anorexic bulimic, and the whole thought of, you know, having to have X number of meals is not, you know, going to work for them. Um, and I really focus on steps because I believe in them. I think that the steps, if you can focus on the steps, then the food plan will come. And some people send me their food daily. Happy to read it and comment. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's really individual. Yeah. I'm not a tell person. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much.